Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have good, bad, and crazy news for conservatives today. But before we get to that, Jim... It's very rare that both the Jets and the Bears uh, win games in the same weekend, but it happened yesterday. Bears beat the Lions. Jets beat the Titans in overtime. You were at MetLife Stadium for the game, and Jim, uh, the Jets not only were competitive, they actually pulled out the victory, and I know it was a uh, a fun and perhaps uh, vocal cord straining day for you there in, in the Meadowlands, but... Uh, Hey, uh, we figured out what it takes for the Jets to win. You just need to be there in person. Listeners, how was your weekend? Because you can hear how my weekend was in my voice right now. Um, yeah, no, we've been talking about uh, going to a game, my brother and my father and I, for, for a while, obviously in 2020. The state of New Phil Murphy and all of his infinite wisdom believed that nobody could go to any football games. Uh, this was one of our first real chances to do it. Uh, did so. You don't get a lot of victories to cheer. The stadium was rocking and it was loud. It was fantastic. I would just point out, yes, they won in overtime. It was it was the entirety of human experience in one nearly 70-minute football game, Greg. There was, there was triumph. There was tragedy. There was ups. There was downs. It was just an absolute emotional roller coaster of a game. At the end, complete strangers were hugging each other. Everybody was high-fiving each other. I think everyone has COVID-19. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that's how it went. <laughs> ah, the thrill of victory. You've you've had plenty of the agony of defeat, but uh, yeah. the thrill of victory is nice. And uh, yeah, it's it sounds from. But your yeah, voice. how about those rookie quarterbacks, right? You <laughs> yeah, know, that's exactly. It sounds from your voice that you're not a guy who leans over to your dad or brother and goes, "Boy, I hope they uh, can stop him here on third down." You seem like a guy who's screaming at the top of your lungs, <laughs> defense. But uh, but uh, well, whether it is cheering. We're cursing. We do it loud. <laughs> well, the good news is, is that not only you showed up, but they showed up this week, which uh, hadn't necessarily yeah. been the case all season long. So, congratulations. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if they can uh, make it a streak uh, starting next week. But uh, let's dig into our uh, good, bad, and crazy martinis. Starting with the good, of course. Um, we keep being told that the Biden Build Back Better plan is super duper popular, and in a vacuum, certain programs are probably pretty popular if you don't actually bother to stop and ask people how they're going to get paid for. Uh, you know, hey, would you like to have lower daycare costs? Uh, yeah. Great. You love Biden's plan. Hey, would you like to have uh, pre-K for your kids? Uh, sure, maybe. Oh, great. You're for Biden's plan, too. Hey, would you like to have free college? Community college? Uh, I guess so. Hey, People love this until they find out who's paying the bill. Uh, this is a poll from Trafalgar, and it was sponsored by the Convention of States Action. I haven't seen the questions yet, so that's always uh, an interesting uh, way to, to break down exactly how significant the poll is. But we keep hearing how 50, high 50, 60 percent of the people love what's in this bill. But according to the poll, 74% of independent voters would sour on Mr. Biden's plan if it raised taxes and the national debt. 92% of Republicans would feel that way. The group said that Democrats are split with roughly 50% taking a more dismal view of their president's plan if it triggers those consequences. So 
Uh, I'd have to dig in to find out if they let people know uh, whose taxes would be raised. Although, as we have pointed out, Jim, uh, everybody's taxes are going up in one way or another, just maybe not on the income tax level. So once people start to get a few more details here, they start to get a little more leery, which is good. Uh, anytime that you got a price tag this big, you should be leery. So hopefully this is the uh, the tipping point of, of the public uh, and their opinions being a major feather in Biden's cap. I'm starting to wonder if we're due for some sort of metaphorical sequel to Obamacare. Um, in that in 2009, 2010, Democrats convinced themselves that it was popular. It never pulled all that popular to begin with. Once again, if you phrased it, you know, do you want free health care? <laughs> You know, yes, you could get, you know, very good answers. Republicans could answer, put, you know, uh, or more right-leaning groups would ask about the individual mandate and other aspects, uh, and people would have much, uh, you know, less support. Um, I think what's interesting is, you know, you spend a weekend outside of the D.C. region. Obviously, what's going on on Capitol Hill did not come up in any context at all. And this is amongst people who are pretty active in politics. Um I don't think this is a big deal unless you are personally invested in it professionally. If you think, you know, your industry is going to get a giant uh, chunk of funding from congressional spending or something like that. I, I, you know, in part because the process is so complicated, I don't think most Americans are breathlessly waiting on every particular twist and turn in the negotiations on this. Even though late on Friday afternoon, something kind of dramatic did happen in that Biden basically, you know, threw his own legislation under the bus and basically said we shouldn't pass the bipartisan infrastructure framework, the BIF, uh, until they've got the votes for the Build Back Better, the BBBBA, uh, I guess is the, you know, the preferred <laughs> acronym for that one. Um, 3.5 trillion, uh, you know, human infrastructure or whatever the heck they're calling it these days. Um, I think the whole thing's kind of confusing to people. I don't actually think this is front and center in people's minds. I think to the extent things are, it's still COVID-19, the pandemic, is my kid's school going to close, stuff like that. It's the economy. It's inflation. Um, that, that basically, and it's soon, depending on if you're a military community, you know, I think there's still some people thinking about Afghanistan. I don't think uh, that people are really, you know, sitting on the edge of their seats waiting to see how this turns out. And for Democrats, there was this attitude in the 2010 midterms, okay, this is going to cost us some seats, but it's going to be worth it. I guess if you see Obamacare as a grand ideological victory, then yeah, I guess it was worth it. Republicans have never been able to completely dismantle it, even though they did manage to get rid of the individual mandate. Um, but I don't think that, uh, you know, dis the Obamacare was not the unalloyed success that Democrats were convinced it was going to be. And you kind of wonder, I, I think it's very likely they end up passing at least one of these things, although it may be a watered down or slightly lower uh, uh, you know, price tag than they currently have. You know, I, I think, you know, this is this is hubris. Uh, this is once again, Democrats convincing that because they won an election, history is over, they have won, and there's no more debating that's worth happening. And um, the short answer is that not every Democrat who was elected to the House and Senate is on board with, you know, I think you added up, it's something like $4.7 trillion over the next 10 years of new spending. Jim, as long as we're doing acronyms and they want to call it BIF, I'm a big Back to the Future fan here, so I think they should just follow the advice of, of Biff Tannen. And when it comes to this legislation, and really both of them, if you can't make up your mind on either one of them, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here?
that's there you uh, go it's easy to understand everybody can get to that that's exactly all right you know what else you want to get out of here is people snooping on your online activity uh and going online without expressvpn you're just leaving yourself out there for your own search engine uh other folks hackers people to see what you're doing and invading your privacy so why does everyone need a vpn Well, when you go online without a VPN, internet service providers can see every single website you visit. That means they can legally sell this information without your consent to ad companies and tech giants who then use your data to target you. And so you're constantly inundated by advertisers who know way too much about you because your ISP uh, gobbled up all that information and sold it to them. Why should you use ExpressVPN? Because you want to have the option of browsing more anonymously. When you use ExpressVPN, ISPs cannot see your online activity. Your identity is anonymized by a secure VPN server, and your data is also encrypted for maximum protection. And it's easy to use. You can fire up the app and you just click one button. And it works on all your devices, whether it's phones, laptops, even routers. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. You really need to protect yourself online. There's a lot of nefarious actors out there. It's not just your internet service provider. There's a lot of terrible people out there who want to get your personal information and perhaps uh, identity theft and many other different things. And so you need to protect yourself. A VPN's the way to go. ExpressVPN works. It's super easy to install. And now you can actually get a nice discount on it as well. Secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash martini today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash martini. And you can get an extra three months of that protection for free. Expressvpn.com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's move to our very bad martini here. And as we watched the pathetic uh, U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. We said the U.S. is projecting weakness here. Adversaries are paying attention and it's not going to be long before they're trying to test us and see if we're going to be just as weak when it comes to their ambitions, whether regionally or globally. And one of the ones we mentioned, of course, was China and their ambitions as it related to Taiwan. We certainly watched their uh, aggressive takeover of Hong Kong. So one of the things we're watching is China saber rattling. We had the Chinese state media uh, on social media a a few weeks back talking about how, hey, we're going to be sending jets over your way and we're pretty much going to be sending the message that resistance is futile. Well, that's what they're doing now. Uh, This is Reuters. China blamed the United States on Monday for increased tensions over Taiwan and vowed to smash, that's in quotes, any separatist plots as the island reported the largest ever incursion by China's air force into its air defense zone at 52 aircraft. China claimed Taiwan has uh, complained for a year or more of repeated missions by China's air force near the democratically governed island, often in the southwest part of its air defense zone, close to the Taiwan-controlled Pratas Islands. But since Friday, when China marked its national day, the country has embarked upon a massive ramping up of its missions with almost 150 aircraft flying into the defense zone over the space of four days. The latest mission included 34 J-16 fighters and 12 nuclear-capable H-6 bombers, which all flew in an area in the vicinity of the Pratas Islands, according to a map provided by the ministry. Taiwanese fighter jets scrambled to warn away the Chinese planes while missile systems were deployed to monitor them. The United States on Sunday, Jim, though, urged China to stop its quote-unquote provocative military activities near Taiwan, while the island's government has also uh, condemned Beijing. Uh, So, Jim, I'm sure 
that putting the word provocative in a written statement will deter China completely from whatever it's planning to do with Taiwan. And it seems pretty clear what it wants to do with Taiwan. What do you make of China's aggression and our response thus far? Well, all those written statements did so much to deter the Taliban, right? <laughs> I mean, they, they gave their word about how they weren't going to go into Kabul. They weren't going to do uh, human rights abuses. They weren't going to be... Uh, continue to work with Al Qaeda, and you know, once once they make promises, or once the, there's an, a firmly worded statement issued by the State Department, that makes hostile states and hostile forces uh, stop doing bad things. That if there's anything we've learned from history, it's that you know those kind, you know, a firmly worded statement from a diplomat makes the world's most notorious evildoers tremble in their in the, their knees start knocking. Uh, look, look, it's impossible. It, it's entirely possible that like this doesn't end with the Chinese invasion of Taiwan. But boy, you and I have talked about this a couple of times on this podcast, and it just feels like each day the pressure and the demonstrations of force and things like that get ratcheted up a little bit higher. And I kind of wonder if China is basically probing here and trying to figure out, okay, how big does our provocation have to get before the U.S. military, you know, uh, and you know, responds in some way. How close can we get to the red line before they start mobilizing? And that'll be a really useful measuring stick for the day we want to do this for real, assuming, of course, they aren't planning on doing this for real sometime soon, which you talk to people who are China watchers. They're, they're not as certain that this is not, they're not as certain that this is a routine feint or saber rattling as they used to be. They, they feel like they've ratcheted this up. And this does happen in the context of the U.S. basically getting, you know, its pants pulled down and its lunch money taken in Afghanistan. And the idea that the administration keeps insisting, oh, don't worry, we're going to have this over the horizon capability. Maybe Russia will let us use their bases or stuff like that. This completely, we're pulling this out of our, you know where, uh, improvising a, a tried attempted solution for this sort of thing. And I think China looks at this and says, all right, America is a paper tiger. America doesn't really have the will to fight to this sort of thing. If we play our cards right, we can get ourselves, if not all of Taiwan, I think in a past podcast, I've talked about these two islands that are actually geographically closer to China, that it sounds like would be very effective tripwires or very effective ways to demonstrate this would be step one. Um, look, I hope this is nothing. I, I hope this is not something that we look back and say, oh, they really should have reacted stronger when they did that, that massive flyby and these violations of Taiwanese airspace. Maybe this is just uh, Xi Jinping attempting to you know look strong on the world stage or something like that. But I, you know, I think, you know, Bill Crystal, who we're not as nearly as big a fan of as we used to be uh, on this podcast, but he was, uh, I believe, chief of staff for Dan Quayle back in 1990, and he says he remembers hearing the uh, intelligence briefings in the summer of 1990 assuring him that the buildup of Iraqi forces on the border with Kuwait was a feint, it was saber-rattling, it was nothing to worry about, and of course Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. So you never really know what's going on in the decision-making of another country like that. It's certainly... Uh, is an ominous indicator. And I hope people are taking this very, very seriously, because right now there's a very little indication that the you know, Biden administration itself is taking that, paying that much attention to tensions between China and Taiwan. Jim, they're obviously, like you said, going to be looking to see how the U.S. responds to this. But I think they kind of know where uh, Biden is going to be in terms of intensity on this when you look at uh, the reaction to the virus, right? I mean, whether it's uh, whether it came from a lab, whether it's uh, denouncing China for lying, which is definitely true uh, in the early weeks and months of the pandemic, there's been no repercussions other than the people who called it the China virus being called, you know, xenophobic uh, at the time. <laughs> so they yeah, we, they we had that big intelligence review that was supposed to be a big deal, and then nothing happened. 
Exactly. So, I mean, how how afraid of of this administration could China possibly be at this point? And their last phone call was all about Biden trying to figure out ways they could work together. So it's obviously uh, not uh, not uh, a lot of stress right now on the part of Xi Jinping, unfortunately. All right. But if you have stress, best way to get rid of that stress, a lot of different ways, of course, but getting good sleep. And there's nothing better than slipping into bed with soft, comfortable sheets at the end of a long day. And now MyPillow wants you to sleep better with their Giza Dream Sheets. We've talked about the pillows, we've talked about the towels, we've talked about the slippers a lot in the last couple of weeks. Really quality products from MyPillow. Uh, Mrs. Karamis and I, definitely our favorite sheets, the Giza Dream Sheets. They're soft, uh, they're comfortable, uh, and they're just very, very high quality. And for a limited time, buy one, get one free on any Giza Dream Sheets. Imagine sliding into the most comfortable sheets you will ever own, guaranteed. They're made from the world's best cotton, grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. Its long staple cotton makes these sheets ultra soft and breathable. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable, and they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee, as well as a one-year limited warranty. So for a limited time, you can buy one, get one free on all Giza Dream Sheets. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104 and find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Don't miss the sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MARTINI. Or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, Jim. Public enemies number one and two when it comes to uh, the base of the Democratic Party and their allies in the media are those two ridiculous senators from West Virginia and Arizona. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are what seem to be standing in the way of Biden's massive spending binge. And, of course, uh, the Democratic base is always so tolerant and reasonable and wants to talk it out to figure out why they aren't on board with this thing yet. No, they're constantly haranguing them and denouncing them. And for Kirsten Sinema, it got really weird this weekend. She was in Arizona for a number of reasons. I think she had a fundraiser there, but I think she had some other uh, things on her schedule as well. And so, as you'll hear in this clip... Uh, Cinema steps off the elevator and people are ready for her there talking about Build Back Better and uh, immigration policy, which isn't even allowed in the Build Back Better plan, according to the Senate parliamentarian. But she says, hey, I'm leaving and then heads to the ladies room where you would think the activists, especially the guy, would probably cease and desist at that point. But no, here's what happened Saturday in Arizona. Sit down, we want to talk to you real quick. Can we talk to you real quick? Hi, actually, I am heading out. Uh, um, right now is a real moment that our people need in order for us to be able to talk about what's really happening. We need a Build Back Better plan right now. We, we're not that adorable. We need They're in the bathroom now. Build Back Better plan. We have the solutions that we need. We knocked on doors for you to get you elected. And just how we got you elected, we can get you out of office if you don't support what you promised us. We need seven million citizenship for seven million. We need the double that better plan right now. My name is Blanca. I was brought here to the United States when I was three years old. And in 2010, my grandparents both got deported because of SB 1070. And I'm here because I definitely believe that we need a pathway to citizenship. 
All right, Jim, uh, that happened on Saturday. Guess in the, in the minds of the left who the hero is here and who the villain is. Uh, the hero is Blanca, the person and her friends who chased Kirsten Cinema into the ladies' room to denounce her about her uh, reluctance to support uh, this legislation and, uh, and for apparently not doing enough in their minds on immigration. Even got some pro-amnesty groups retweeting this out, saying, you know, Blanca's the hero here and cinema has got to get her act together. If this had been, uh, you know, a Republican chasing a Democrat or it had been, you know, a moderate Democrat confronting a liberal Democrat, the reaction in the press would have been, you know, titanically different. Everyone listening to this podcast probably has someone either in politics or in life who, if they don't see as their their nemesis, their arch enemy, just their representative of everything they cannot stand. I'm going to throw out the, the Bin Ladens of the world, the terrorists, people who have literal blood on their hands. But let's just say there's somebody who you see as everything wrong with American politics, everything wrong with American values, everything for the person who's kind of gets rewarded when they really shouldn't be. Uh, the person who has taken something great and valuable, maybe a CEO who ran a company into the into the ground, or uh, you know, uh, laid off people who were good and who you know covered their own tush and took a golden parachute. We all have somebody we really can't stand in life. Maybe for some of these people, like I said, maybe it's a CEO, maybe it's a particular politician, maybe it's some activist who you think has. Uh, been pushing to make America a worse place and ex- you know excuse the inexcusable. Greg, I'm sure you have yours. I'm sure every listener is theirs. People probably can guess mine. Adam Gase, the <laughs> former head coach of the New York Jets, who is the you know locus of all evil in this world. But I'm sitting there thinking, if I had a chance to give Adam Gase a piece of my mind, if I had a chance to really stick it, you just say, you know what, you know what your problem is? If he was going into the bathroom, I'll wait. He, he can he can do his business in private. He can whatever he needs to do. I don't need to be there. I might want to castigate the you know what out of him. I might want to scare the piss out of him, but he can do that himself. I'm not going to, I don't want anything to do with the bathroom of Adam Gase or anybody else. And it kind of used to be, this used to be, you know, your throne. This used to be your one spot of privacy, the one spot where no one would bother you. If you're in the middle of doing your thing, just do it. We'll, we'll, we'll wait outside, you know, and that's fine. And that, you know, clearly, in the minds of these progressive activists, no, no, Kirsten Cinema is not allowed to pee in peace. She is not allowed to do her business in tranquility before she goes back out there. Um, look, a, a better and healthier left would look at that and say, this is ridiculous. No, 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 we don't, we don't stand for that. That's not who we are. Uh, and it clearly they don't. And clearly in their mind, when you're in, I guess we should be thankful they didn't like jump over the stall or something or try to kick open the door or something like that. In their mind, their moral authority is so supreme and so all-encompassing that when you're reaching for the toilet paper, they still have the right to castigate you. It's utterly ridiculous. This is spoiled child behavior. Um, but I think it exemplifies what the modern progressive left has become. Yeah, I think we're going to start to see security for a lot more members of Congress than just the leadership uh, with situations like this. Jim, who's that going to convince? If, if somebody was uh, disagreeing with you and they chased you into the bathroom, where you, where you suddenly say, you know what? Now I see your point. I see your point. Thank you for bringing this to me in this situation. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, plus, I mean, I, from what I hear, um, you know, things are a little more social in the ladies' room. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what you want to tell me in the men's room. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. Don't care about the weather. Don't care who won the game last night. If you really want to talk about it, wait till we're back at our desks. 
there's where I want my six feet rule. All right. That's it. We've always been social distancing when it's in the men's room, whether it was viruses or not viruses, you know, it's like an elevator. You just kind of sit, stand to the forward. You don't, you know, we don't want to hear it. Don't want to deal with it. And whatever it's, it is, unless the building's on fire, it can wait until later. There was a time in our lives we didn't need to explain this. Jim, awkward end to this uh, edition of the Three Martini Lunch, but uh, not as awkward as it was for Senator Cinema. There are some truly disturbed people out there. Anyway, see you tomorrow. Rest of the week's got to get better, Greg. <laughs> think so. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. If you don't already, tell your friends about us as well. We are super grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Remember, you can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday, and please join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.